fried tarantulas, finished pancakes, and a drunken boat. This week, we're talking with Marika Devon of Clumsy Girl Travels. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. Each week, we explore dishes and drinks from around the world. And this week, we're in Cambodia, Iceland, Colombia, and Finland talking food and drinks with Marika Devon. Marika is the woman behind ClumsyGirlTravels.com. Her travel website not only recounts the places she's been, but also discusses traveling with a degenerative neurological condition. Marika's been on the road for eight years, but now is in Seattle riding out the pandemic until she can hit the road again. Marika tells us about her travels, plus what has to be the most random way of picking a new travel destination. But before we talk to Marika, let me ask you to subscribe to the show. If you haven't done so yet, subscribing will get you each new episode of Destination Eat Drink delivered to your phone, laptop, or computer every Friday. So go to your podcast delivery system and get subscribed. We're on Amazon now, as well as all the other podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Destination Eat Drink. So, Marika, you're in Seattle now. Um, how long have you been in Seattle? Um, so, I just moved to Seattle in um, beginning of June, late May. Um, I moved from L.A. My mom actually drove down to pick me up. Um, I was living with my brother. And so, I figured it's, you know, a good time to make that move because my family lives in the countryside right now. And... So I figured a lot of fresh air and um, everything would do me good. It's a good plan, I think. Um, we also just moved right in the middle of this thing, or actually for us, it was at the beginning of this pandemic. And I just, you know, for me, it's like we moved to a new place. We don't know anybody. And all of a sudden this pandemic hits and now I really don't know anybody. So it's just, it's a little crazy being in a new spot, don't you think? Yeah, I, I'm just thinking like, how, how am I going to make friends here? Like, I just like, how am I going to meet people? <laughs> just have to put that stuff on hold for, for the time being. Now, you've been traveling around sort of a digital nomad for the last eight years or so. Talk to me about your travels. Like, just run you know run off a list of a few of the places that you've uh, lived in and maybe some uh fun things that have happened there but talk talk about your experience uh, being on the road for 8 years I lived in London I think that was my first uh destination that I lived abroad in and I was living in London and going to school for web development I had a boyfriend at the time so I we met in Australia, actually, and so we fell in love, you know, the very cliche story, and then I <laughs> moved um, to London, and I lived there for about two and a half years, and 
I absolutely loved it. London is a fantastic city. I would love to move back one day. We came very close to moving to London a couple of years ago. And uh, I love London, too. We were going to live in Camden. Um, but one of the things that kind of strikes me about London is as much as I love it, it's so expensive. How did you manage the expense in London? Oh, my gosh. It was not easy. I actually um, I lived in this area called uh, Forest Gate. And, you know, as a naive American, I'm thinking, oh, that sounds so nice. There must be a nice forest. <laughs> There's trees everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> it was not the case. It was not a good area. Um, I lived in a house with about 10 people. There was one bathroom. It, oh it, was, not, it was not the most ideal living situation. <laughs> good way to save money having 10 people. Okay, so London and, and then what happens? Um, so then we end up uh, breaking up and then I move back to the States. Um, but I, yeah, I just continued to travel. I've taken a six month uh, trip around Europe since then. And then I went to Riga and... You know, that's how I kind of found you, Marika, is I am right now trying to prevent... Um, cabin fever by planning a trip, a long-term trip, well, not long-term, but a several-month trip to Europe. Riga is one of the places. And as I was researching it, I come across your website, Clumsy Girl Travels. And that's how I found you. I, re I read that article and I was, uh, that information about Riga, and I was like, oh, this is really, she's fun, she's interesting, she's funny. And then I started reading some more of your stuff and I learned about you. And you know, it's you've got a very interesting story because not only do you do all this traveling and you write in an interesting way, but you talk very openly about a condition that you have called ataxia. Could you go ahead and describe to folks what exactly is ataxia? Because when I first read about it, I, I was like, okay, I got to go to Wikipedia. What is this? Um, tell me more about it. And so, and then I find out about it. I'm like, wow, she is really a pretty intrepid person traveling with uh, ataxia. So talk, tell us first of all, what is ataxia? Ataxia is a degenerative neurological progressive condition that is caused by um, damage to the cerebellum. But in my case, I was a mutation, as the doctors call it. I have um, something called episodic ataxia type 2, and there are hundreds of different types of ataxias, but the one I have, I uh, three to five out of 100,000 people have it. Wow. And so it's a dominant gene, and so either my mom or dad should have it, but neither of them do. So yeah, the doctors just call me a mutation, which kind of sounds cool to me. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> How does ataxia, in your case, you said there's hundreds of different kinds of ataxia. A lot of times, not a, I don't know if it's a lot. I'm no expert. I just read the Wikipedia page. But they said that a lot of times it comes from a traumatic, you know, blunt force or an injury of some kind. In your case, it didn't. But for you, how does ataxia present itself? What are the symptoms that you're dealing with? So my cerebellum is smaller than it should be. 
So because of that, I have difficulty with my balance. It causes my fine motor skills to deteriorate. And I have eye movement abnormalities and uh, migraines and head tremors. So those are basically my symptoms. Are they treatable? Is uh, So this is a, a neurological degenerative disease. I believe there's no cure for it, but is there treatments that you can take to lessen the symptoms, lessen the impact? There is. So growing up, my symptoms were actually a lot worse. I spent a good portion of my childhood going to doctor's appointments. Um, I was actually misdiagnosed with cerebral palsy and epilepsy until I was wow. 19, where, um, okay. yeah, my neurologist, my neurologist I had for epilepsy at the time told me he didn't think I had it. And he sent me and my mom to a clinic that specializes in migraines, which is what I had. And um, they did a bunch of tests and told me that I had episodic ataxia type 2. Um, basically, that information completely changed my life. And you're able to treat this, at least lessen the symptoms with the correct um, drugs and whatnot. Yeah, so I am on medication right now, um, and they basically help uh, my migraines. So I don't really have migraines as often. Um, I used to get them about two to four times a week, and when I would get one, it would basically just shut me down. I would become nonverbal. I would have to lie down right away. I wouldn't be able to be woken up like several hours after one would hit. And um, even a day after I would get a migraine, I would just be completely dazed. And luckily I don't have them anymore, but I, I do occasionally get them, but very rarely. Um, a few of the triggers would be like heat, um, stress. So um, in Colombia two years ago, and I got a really bad one. I was there um, during the summer when it was so hot, and I guess the heat just got to me because I got a really bad one. I was about to do a food tour, and I had to rush back to my hotel to sleep. I was staying in a hostel actually, and the hostels did not have air conditioning. So I was just lying there with my portable fan, just trying to cool off. And my roommates thought the next morning, they're like, we thought you were dead. Like, are you okay? Oh, jeez. Yeah. So you you said that the uh, ataxia presents itself sometimes as lack of uh, balance, um, falling down, things of this nature. And I read on your blog, sometimes people mistake you for being drunk. And again, you handle this with such good humor and grace. Would you like to tell a funny story about, um, you know, maybe something that happened that you thought was funny? I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to find it funny or not. It sounds terrifying to me, but, you know, if you have a story you could share, that would be that would be excellent. Well, I have another uh, story about being in Colombia. So I I was in Cartagena and I did a boat trip. Um, boats are really difficult for me because they go back and forth, and I 
you already have difficulty with balance, this is going to make it worse. Uh, I think when I was trying to get off the boat, I needed like five people to help me and hold me up. Um, and so everyone's like, oh, you're drunk. How much did you have to drink? And I'm like, no, the boat's drunk. It's not me. <laughs> Blame it on the boat. <laughs> the, the drunken boat. That that reminds me actually of, um, there's this place in Georgia called Tybee Island. It's off of Savannah. Um, it's a little island. It's a big tourist vacation spot because they've got lots of sandy beaches. And Tybee Island is kind of known for its bohemian culture and they have their their whole like I've, I've written about this on on my website they have all of these slang terms that are just unique to Tybee Island and one of them is speaking of drunken boat there is a Tybee Island slang term called drunken bicycle so if someone has an accident on a bicycle and they're suspected of being drunk they'll blame it on the bicycle they'll say no it was the drunken bicycle it wasn't me so <laughs> it's, the, it's the same kind of idea you're blaming a boat they're blaming a bicycle yeah <laughs> Marika let's talk food because you're an adventurous eater <laughs> um, you've tried some fun stuff Talk about some of the unusual foods that you've had during your travels. Okay, man, that's, I've had so many. I, I have a rule. I will try anything once, and if I don't like it, I don't need to eat it again. <laughs> so um, when, actually, one that comes to mind is when I was in Iceland. So before I travel anywhere, I do lots and lots of research on everything there's to do, what foods to eat. So I was doing research on Iceland and I came across this dish. Uh, I can't pronounce it, but basically it's just a sheep's head on a plate, like an entire oh, sheep's head. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. And I, you know, did some research on where I could get it. And so the only place I could order it was at the bus station in Reykjavik, which <laughs> is just so weird. Sounds shady. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, do do I want to? Do I want this? <laughs> um, How long has that sheep's head been sitting in the back of the bus station? Yeah, that's that's what I thought as well. So I, you know, I'm like, eh, I'll I'll try it. I'll I'll see what what it is. And so I go, actually, Reykjavik's bus station is really, really nice. And, and so I order this, and it's exactly as the pictures show. It's just a sheep's head on a plate. And I'm, I'm just thinking, what, what was I thinking ordering this? And so I took a picture, and I sent it to my brother. And he said... That's like something, you know, the mafia might send you to scare you or something. <laughs> <laughs> right, out of the Godfather. Oh, man. All right, so how, how was it? How was the sheep's head? It was really good, actually. It was very tender. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I would order it again, but <laughs> it was definitely... <laughs> Something interesting. I, I would recommend uh, anyone to try it if they find themselves in Reykjavik at the bus station. <laughs> All right. What, what, what else do you got in uh, Marika versus food category? 
About five years ago, I was in um, Cambodia with a tour. We were all at a restaurant, and the restaurant had uh, fried uh, tarantulas on the menu. And I've I've had like grasshoppers before, and I'm like, oh, tarantulas sound interesting. I'm gonna order that. So everyone else on my tour was just like, okay, well. We'll share a plate of it. They're like, they're like, you first, Marika. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I want my own plate. <laughs> um, and so we all, we get one plate and everyone just takes a leg. Like they don't, you know, they just take a small bite. Everyone, everyone has their own leg and each person takes a small bite of the leg. And I'm here just like... I take one of the tarantulas, an entire one, and just pop it in my mouth. And I'm like, wow, this is really good. I want my own plate now. (laughs) And so everyone's just looking at me in disgust. And yeah, here I am popping it in my, popping them in my mouth like they're potato chips, but they they were actually really, really good. (laughs) We lived in Texas for a little while. So I've, I've, I've seen tarantulas and. I know that in general they're not poisonous, but I remember being a little kid, like tarantulas were, besides quicksand, tarantulas were like the scariest thing that could possibly happen to you. So um, <laughs> I can't. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I remember I used, than me. in elementary school, we um, had a lady who had a pet tarantula come into the classroom and bring her tarantula with her and... Obviously, I think it was defanged and everything, but I just remember we all had our hands out holding this tarantula, and I loved it. I used to love bugs. You were that kid in grade school. Yeah, I would sneak. uh, I would have my worm farm, and I would sneak worms (laughs) into elementary school in my pocket. A surprise for your mom when she does the laundry. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So... You were in uh, you were in Panama. You went to a place called uh, Bocos del Toro, which remind you know this is a restaurant you can only reach by boat, which reminds me of the Amalfi Coast. There's a couple of restaurants there. You have to go down to the their special pier, and they have a boat that will take you out to the uh, to the restaurant. Um, talk talk about this place because it sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, so I was doing a um, tour. When we got picked up, the first place we went to was this restaurant on this, um, it wasn't even an island, it was just the restaurant. And so how it works is that they have fishermen that go out every morning, um, catch fish, and then bring it back um, and they serve it. So basically we ordered our food, we did the tour, and then we came back and ate that I'd say is some of the best fish I've ever had in my life. Fresh as can be. I I still dream about it. You have Finnish ancestry, Marika. Um, you've been to Finland. Can you talk about uh, going to Finland? Because I'm, uh, you know, as part of this trip that I talked about earlier, going to the uh, going to the Baltic states. We also were going to make a trip to Helsinki and a couple other towns in Finland. So. Um, I'm excited personally about what you have to say about Finland. Yeah, so my grandparents are from Åland, Finland, my mom's parents. Um, and 
it's a very, very small island and um, it's it's just so beautiful. I, I absolutely love it there. My favorite thing to do there is probably eat Oland's Pancaka, which basically translates to a pancake of Oland. And it's this dessert, this very custardy dessert that just melts in your mouth and it's served with stewed prunes on top and whipped cream. And pretty much you can get it anywhere on Oland, like any cafe, any restaurant. Um, so when I went to Oland with my brother and my grandpa about two years ago, and there's one cafe we really like that serves it, but I, I wanted to try some other places. So I wanted to go and like, uh, a Oland's Pancaka tour of Oland. <laughs> um, so I ended up going to several different places, but one place in particular had the best, and it's a place called Bagarstugen. And so me and my grandpa, I kid you not, probably went like three times in one day. <laughs> Yeah, again. yeah, my, my brother, by the third time, my brother was just like, I'm, I'm too embarrassed to go in again. And so he, <laughs> so he just goes to the bar next door while me and my grandpa go in and the, um, cashier was so sweet. She was just like, you know, we, we have an apartment above the cafe if you want to move in. <laughs> and I was actually considering it. I'm like, well. You know, can I, can I marry into the Bagerstugen family? Like, I want this recipe. <laughs> so your grandparents are from Finland. Sounds like your grandpa's still there. Uh, maybe your grandma is too. I don't know if she's still around. Um, I, so what kind of Finnish food did you enjoy while you were there? Uh, you know, are there any, like, typical Finnish dishes that people should try when they go to Finland? Well, actually, um, my my grandparents are here in Seattle. We, um, my... Oh, okay. Yeah, me and my grandpa go back to Oland every few years. Um, but in terms of Finnish food, um, I'd say because it's um, the... It's one of the many uh, Swedish-speaking parts of Finland. Um, they right, have right. a lot of um, Swedish cuisine there. Um, there's a really good um, restaurant that we go to, which is on the grounds of um, one of the museums on Åland. And they have really, really good... Um, Swedish meatballs. <laughs> That's what I got. I love Swedish meatballs. <laughs> Any coffee places that you can think of in your travels that you've really enjoyed quite a bit? Columbia, definitely. Oh, I've done, of course. Yeah, yeah, I've done a few coffee tours there. Actually, I um, there's the coffee region, Salento in Colombia, and they have several coffee farms you can tour. And I ended up touring, I think, like, two coffee farms in one day. Everyone thought I was cool. crazy for doing that. But, you know, everyone has their own process, and I just love learning about how each place produces their own coffee. That sounds great. So, Colombia, yeah, of course, get coffee in Colombia. That's a, that's a perfect idea. 
So you're in you're in Seattle now. Who knows how long this pandemic's going to last? Like I said, I'm I'm hoping to travel again sometime in 2021. But you know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But for you, Marika, what do you have on the horizon? What are you thinking about next? So I I actually decided that I am going to plan a trip based on a feature using Google Earth, which basically you push a button and it takes you to a random place in the world. And so oh, no <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to use that feature to plan where I go next. Wow. That takes that takes some guts because, I mean, you could end up anywhere, right? <laughs> um, and actually, I decided, you know, I'm just going to... Um, so when the pandemic started, I actually was messing around with the feature. And so I'm like, you know, I'm just going to do it now. And so I push the button and it takes me to uh, Japan, I- Iwadi, Japan. I think that's how you pronounce it. But um, mm. I'm like, oh, that sounds like a really fascinating place. And I do some research and oh my gosh, it is gorgeous. <laughs> wow. So you lucked out. You didn't end up in, I don't know, Afghanistan or yeah, something. Syria, yeah, Syria. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, that's, uh, that's so cool. Japan, I would, you know, we lived in Briefly, we lived in Hawaii, and we did one international trip while we were there, and it was basically a coin flip between New Zealand and Japan, and New Zealand ended up winning, which I'm happy we did, but sometimes when I see Japan, I'm like, oh, got to make it to Japan at some point. Yeah. So I'm going to have to live vicariously through uh, Clumsy Girl Travels when you go to Japan because that's definitely a place that uh, that I got to get to. And we did a fun podcast about Tokyo a couple of months ago too. And um, obviously Tokyo is, is well on the tourist trail, but boy, there's a lot of cool stuff happening in Tokyo as well. Oh, I know. I've, I've done a lot of research on Japan and it's, it's actually one of the places that's on the top of my list. So I think once everything settles down, I that will be one of the first places I travel to. Marika, it's been great talking to you. I'm going to continue to follow you on Clumsy Girl Travels, and you stay in touch with us because we're going to be looking forward to that trip to Japan and wherever else you happen to uh, <laughs> randomly travel to in the world through uh, Google Futures. Great. Thank you. <laughs> I'll tell you, I give Marika all the credit in the world. I don't know if I could trust the randomness of just selecting a spot on the globe and deciding to go there. And, you know, talking with Marika and the challenges that she faces as a traveler reminded me of the last time I was called to jury duty. It was several years ago now, but I got called to jury duty. It was just some low-level case of public intoxication and the person who was prosecuting it, the lawyer, started asking questions of the potential jurors and then asked, do you have any questions? And so I rose my hand, raised my hand, and I said, how does the officer determine whether a person is drunk or not? And the prosecutor said, well, it's up to their own judgment. And I said, well, There are lots of other things that could present themselves as drunkenness, but they aren't drunkenness, you know, and I I believe what I used as an example was cerebral palsy, but there's tons of other health events that people could be having that could look like drunkenness. And 
at that point, I was dismissed from the jury pool. And I wasn't trying to get out of jury duty. Not at all. It was just going to be a couple hours. But, you know, because I was questioning things, I got taken off of the jury pool. And talking to Marika reminds me that all of us need to be more conscious of folks who could be having an episode or could be having a problem health-wise when they're out there in the world. Well, uh, that's going to do it for this week's program. Next week, we're visiting Krakow, Poland, and trying some Polish wine. While you're waiting for that, check out DestinationEatDrink.com. I've got a new entry on the blog about a real cool spot in northern Minnesota, Split Rock Lighthouse. You can read about that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and our fearless leader, Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. Wear your effing mask, and I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. 